welcome back to the Efficiency Optimized Unlocking the Full Potential of Multiple Impacts, the series that seeks to create a narrative about the multiple benefits of energy efficiency and connect the dots between the theoretical applicability and the real-life applications of multiple benefits in uh, tri-weekly discussions and debates with European energy efficiency experts. This podcast is hosted by the Mikat Project, uh, which aims to estimate the multiple impacts of energy efficiency via a free, easy-to-use online tool called the Mikat Tool. I'm Marco Peretto from ICP, the Institute for European Energy and Climate Policy, and I'll be your host for today. In today's episode, we will discuss uh, microeconomics, macroeconomics, innovation and competitiveness, and their relation to energy efficiency, with Zoe Frantisi from E3 Modeling and Fredrik Berga from Fraunhofer who are experts on the matter. So if you're one of those people that are close to the subject of energy efficiency and it's linked to security, stick around to gain some useful insights. Hello everyone, today we will be discussing energy efficiency and the impacts, or rather multiple impacts, it can have on microeconomics, macroeconomics, innovation and competitiveness. As a reminder, the MICAT project, which is the host of this series, focuses on calculating the multiple impacts of energy efficiency, as well as the relevance and political need for tools that quantify these benefits at the local, national and EU level. The three main categories of impacts focused on within the project are economic, environmental and social. So today we will be focusing on the first one. Our guests today are Zoe Frontisi from E3 Modeling and Frederick Berga from Fraunhofer who you may uh, already be familiar with from our previous episodes. Today, they're going to share with us their expertise on how energy efficiency relates to micro, macroeconomics, innovation, and competitiveness. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Frederick. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Hello, thanks for the invitation. We're happy to have you. So tell us a bit uh, why you're here today and about your area of expertise in relation to today's topic. I have been working for more than 15 years now on the issues of uh, climate and energy policy, and I'm now directing the economic impact assessment team within IFRI modeling, and we have a long experience on understanding what are the macro and microeconomic implications of energy and climate policies. And, uh, of course, uh, this also involves energy efficiency policies and specific measures. I'm working in the Department of Energy Policy at Fraunhofer ISI, and I'm mainly working on multiple benefits of energy efficiency across different projects, mainly EU projects. And uh, I've been working on uh, the implementation of the indicators here in this MECAT project. So uh, great being able to chat about it. Let's, uh, without further ado, go to our first topic, which, as mentioned before, will be micro macroeconomics and how energy efficiency can affect them. So the energy sector uh, can affect economics of a country in uh, various different ways. But I would first of all start with asking uh, our two guests, how would they define micro and macroeconomics? As these are some broad terms that perhaps it's better to define and highlight the differences between the two. Additionally, I would also ask our guests, uh, to tell us more about the related indicators included in their research uh, for MECAT. Um, yeah, indeed, these two terms, uh, micro and macroeconomics, are quite uh, broad. And uh, in order to understand them better, I think that one can look 
are the kind of metrics that we can uh, refer and assess in order to understand what are the implications on the micro and macro level. The macro level mostly refers to the entire economy, really, of a country or a region. And then we also have, let's say, the sectoral level implications, which still relate to the macroeconomy. But then on the microeconomics, it's more relevant to the firm level. So maybe a company size or, you know, the granularity gets uh, smaller there. So maybe just to give an overview of the indicators that we assessed in MECAT project. So we try to have a, a broad overview of the macro and micro implications. And we selected, of course, the key metrics that have been used uh, currently by policymakers, the impact on GDP and employment, but also discuss impact on competitiveness and sectoral shifts. And then we go to the micro level. Yeah, so beyond that, we've also looked at uh, asset value of of buildings, uh, commercial and residential. We have tried to find metrics to look at the turnover of energy efficiency goods, although that's rather close to GDP because it's just a part of it as such. Obviously, we've also uh, included like the main benefits of it all, energy prices, but we also look in the future and try to see if there's an impact on energy prices when we use energy efficiency in, in larger scales. And also if there's impacts on ETS prices, which of course goes again into macroeconomics, but uh, nevertheless has an impact on the ground on uh, the companies affected by microeconomics. Uh, how would you factor uh, competitiveness and innovation into this topic? And additionally, how would you measure it? As to me, this sounds as a qualitative factor. How would you factor it into this topic? I think what's interesting there is uh, the story of how those indicators got into Mika, because the idea was uh, since Mika grew out of two projects that were there before, Combi and Odyssey Muir, multiple benefits of SLD and they were uh, we had those indicators in Odyssey Mirror and as such we figured we might just as well use them in MECAT now the whole scene of MECAT is completely different because instead of just looking at something in the past we could just uh, look at energy savings and then look at um, innovation or competitiveness according to certain indicators and see that those both lines were kind of going the same direction and assuming that the correlation was also causality, um, we now got into a position where we had to predict from the energy savings the innovation impact and so we and the competitiveness. So we really need a causality and a causal link to do to be able to do that. And we weren't actually able to have a proper enough causal link for innovation impacts. So in the end, we had to accept that it won't be able to, to assess them in a, in a way that is robust enough. And for competitiveness, we had to go another way where E3M have proposed another way to assess this impact in order to still have values in that, on that, even though our approach we initially had in mind just taken over what we did in Odyssey Muir. Well, that didn't work, didn't materialize. But maybe, uh, Zoe, you want to give some details on how this basically works. Yeah, so the effort was indeed to have a quantitative approach for all the metrics that we assessed. And this is also the case for the impact on competitiveness, where we wanted to understand what are the implications on the unit cost of production of a good once energy efficiency or energy saving measures are um, introduced. So how does 
the production function change and what does this mean in terms of uh, costs. And then we can understand how this would then affect competitiveness, assuming also that the, the prices in other countries could remain the same. And then also based on some elasticity of demand, we could even assess how the demand for this uh, specific sector or good or industry uh, would change. I think what is worth discussing in this context in general is that MECAT is all about showing the potential to improve certain indicators, but we can never be sure that really in the end it's the case. So we look, for instance, at competitiveness and the change in unit cost, which is, a, I think, a good approach to, to calculate it. We can never be sure that in the end the demand is going to increase because it could as well be that the, the margins are just increased, the profit margins, so uh, the demand doesn't increase that much, actually. And I think also GDP is, is an indicator that's worth discussing uh, and how much it actually is a benefit. There's been great work from Joseph Stiglitz and others to actually pinpoint whether GDP is really the, the units to assess uh, economic growth and especially healthy economic growth. On the you know uncertainty issue, I think that... Uh, this is mostly the case in uh, more or less all uh, model or tool-based ex-ante assessments of a policy. So, of course, there is no level of you know certainty in the sense of uh, forecasting, but it's rather understanding implications, uh, a what-if analysis, more like uh, forecasting that if this will happen, then we are sure that we will see this effect. So also these indicators and in general, an ex-ante quantitative analysis of policies allows us to understand in a better way how the economy is affected, what are the different drivers. And this is why also discussing only GDP impacts, for example, is not very informative and insightful in the sense of, you know, what can then one expect to see in an economy changing? So one is that, you know, what are the actual drivers that change GDP which are the sectors that we expect to see emerging or falling? And what are the drivers? I mean, is GDP increasing because of investments or because of consumption, etc.? But then on the other side, we also have the issues of distributional implications. And uh, indeed, you know, there are a number of metrics that's very interesting discussion, somehow out of scope of our today's discussion on what types of metrics one can use in order to do this policy assessment. But I think indeed that MICAT tried to bring this discussion on board also for the energy efficiency and energy saving measures. So bringing in a number of indicators, not only, for example, GDP, but also employment, competitiveness, but also going beyond the economic sphere and assessing also environmental indicators, societal indicators in terms of distributional implications, energy poverty, Etc. So I think that this holistic approach is more like the way to go in order to assess a measure. Yeah, I guess in the end, we'll have to provide what the users want to get as, as outputs. So it doesn't help if we create the newest indicator, which takes everything into account if it isn't used. However, I think still at a later stage, it would be worth discussing whether MECAP could be extended in a way where it takes more holistic indicators into its repertoire. But I think for now, it's good to work on those that are typically used. 
maybe we can move on to then uh, how does the Mika tool factor into the equation? So how would you use the Mika tool? And so my first question would be, what issues have you been able to identify as barriers to economic development that the Mika tool could serve to alleviate? The reason why one would be interested in understanding the more like the macroeconomic implications of energy efficiency and energy saving measures is because these uh, measures act in multiple ways to the economy. First of all, by generating demand for the energy efficiency goods, uh, for example, insulation material, new electrical equipment, etc. This demand creates its own direct, indirect and induced economic effects, also bringing potentially new jobs But then at the same time, we know that energy efficiency measures would result probably in changes in imports of energy carriers. One would expect to see lower imports of fossil fuels, for example. They would also affect energy prices, and this has an effect on the cost of living and competitiveness for firms. And at the same time, one could think also of uh, public budget implications, how the measures would affect fiscal revenues and expenditures, through taxation of uh, different energy carriers and uh, potential subsidies. And then, you know, one has to think of the energy poverty issue as well and how this has been addressed by member states and uh, local governments. So there are a number of impacts that we can think of uh, on the level of the macroeconomy. And usually what we have seen from our research and our analysis is that the energy efficiency measures are beneficial to the economy. So they enhance economic development and actually these provide new opportunities, not only for employment, but also through the balance of trade, for example, where the imports reduce. Okay, so one way the, um, that energy efficiency can influence the, the macroeconomy uh, is also by creating new jobs. So within the EU today, in the declining sectors, such as uh, fossil fuel-related activities, there are 237,000 people actually employed specifically in coal-related activities. And estimates show that between half and two-thirds of the current coal-fired power capacity will be retired by 2030. So do you think it is possible to reskill these people? And can tools such as Mikat help in identifying ways or, uh, let's say, sectors where to replace uh, these people uh, that have lost their jobs due to declining sectors? I don't think Mikat is the right tool for the allocation. So... Uh, first of all, uh, we only take into account the jobs that are created additionally. And of course, there's jobs that are also going to disappear as a consequence of energy efficiency, as you named it yourself, although this part isn't due to energy efficiency directly. But the issue that with the tool is obviously that for it to be as quick as it is, it's very simplified. So we don't have like a maximal stock of people you want to employ. So if you were to insulate the EU 20 times, 30 times, chances are at some point you'll have more employments than people living in the EU. So um, the numbers are not capped that come out of the tool. And in the end, that means it's just about a potential. So how much employments could be generated? Now we hear everywhere, I mean, theme of the USEF this year, the EU Sustainable Energy Week was skills and the risk of lacking skills. And not having the people to do actually the work that we need to do to decarbonize our continent. And as such, it is problematic in a way to, to just drop a figure and say that's the number of employment if we never know that we'll have those people. 
Now, I don't think that the Mika tool can help reschool people or identify where people are going to find employment or should find employment. But I think in general, it can be used as like a ballpark for a country to assess and have a guess on how many people they should actually give the skills to do those jobs. So it'll give a wild ballpark for them to know that's how much we can expect. And there are countries where labor is a bit more abundant than uh, Western parts of the European Union, I'd say. So there it might have fewer impacts that we have this issue of mm, lacking skills. What I can add here is that the MICA tool is, is a really good tool to understand what the employment potential, as you said, so the, the labor intensity of each measure so one could understand which measure could bring more job requirements. And uh, to this respect, one could say that, uh, yeah, for example, probably introducing like insulation to a building could be requiring more jobs than another measure that is more like technology oriented and requires less uh, labor input. So the, the, the MICA tool can indeed provide this both on the looking across the measures, but also across countries. So how does this differentiate between member states? And from this, one can understand if we put, for example, in the pledged policies of a member state, we could understand in which sector uh, most of the jobs would be required. But again, I mean, this is a static tool. It's not a model or one of the tools that we you know, regularly use in the sense of more complex and complicated tools that would provide also the effects of replacing jobs in, for example, the coal sector and see whether uh, these skills could then be attracted to other sectors. So we cannot respond to that. Let's move on to, let's say, the third topic, which is what can Mika do to solve the issues that have arisen due to a lack of energy efficiency in buildings in relation to micro and macroeconomics? So could you relate this to the current economic situation within the EU and identify real-world examples for which today's topic is relevant? Essentially meaning energy efficiency, how can this be related to the buildings in the European Union? And how would this affect the micro and macroeconomics? I think this is also very relevant both to the current economic situation, but also to the current energy crisis. And we can definitely say that energy saving, energy efficiency measures help to make households more resilient towards price fluctuations. And through the MICA tool, we can also understand beyond this resilience are there any other opportunities uh, or risks arising? So the MICA tool enables us to see that depending on the type of measure, indeed, what are also the expected opportunities that one would find. So I guess the MICA tool is not here to prioritize on its own what are the best solutions for buildings, but a policymaker could, for example, check through the possible options that we offer in the MICA tool, how for the same energy saved, what are the different implications for employment, as we discussed before, or film competitiveness, or energy prices, but also the micro level, and understand then how this will interact with the energy crisis and the economic developments in the EU. I think to add to this on the local level, we had a couple of workshops in, in the framework of the project now, 
And what is rather interesting there is that often the, the ambition of a city strongly depends on having a few really motivated employees in the right departments and they often have to justify their measures with whoever is guarding the money basically and those people often already know the benefits that arise and know that there's going to be benefits that are not as tangible maybe as macro and microeconomic benefits but things like health or just general quality of air and those kind of things. And whenever they have to justify it in front of a city council, for instance, they have often the feeling that those uh, economic indicators strike better and talking about GDP growth, whether that is really the measure to do it and employment, whether those jobs really, uh, the people are looking for these jobs, uh, that those things just strike better with city council in convincing them to do those measures that are in themselves still really valuable and make sense, of course, but sometimes it needs this, this extra uh, rubbing it on their noses and, and showing them all the benefits that, that come from this. So I think it's also seen as a tool, the whole thing, to help those who want to do good things to create narratives that are underlined with figures and qualitative and quantitative data. Now that we understand the relevance of micro macroeconomic indicators, can you explain the relevance to policy making specifically? Now you have touched upon this uh, with your previous answers, but maybe just to really specify it to policy making, how would you explain the relevance of these two to policy making? So the questions that usually policymakers ask or are being asked uh, in preparation of a new policy, for example, is how is this going to affect either the local community or the wider country. And first of all, usually this has to do with prospects of growth. But in essence, because this growth has to be equal and just, different stakeholders would like to see how the policy is affecting their own interest and capacity to develop, for example. And with Mika tool, we also go beyond the GDP, as Frederick was saying, and then also understand the sexual shifts in order to be able to respond to different stakeholders, the employment effects, but then also some implications on inequality and energy poverty, which is also a, a common question between policymakers. I would like to add is also that uh, it feels like a lot of policymakers often, whenever they come with anything close to ambitious when it comes to climate policy, uh, they are faced with backlash from industry groups often. And uh, some of those indicators can really show positive impacts it can have for industry. I mean, when we look at the ATS prices, for instance, that have skyrocketed in the last years, which is of course good because it puts at least closer to fair price on, on CO2. But it's, of course, a, a big risk when you do your calculations and you don't know how much the ETS price is going to change. And I think highlighting those things, or as well the energy costs, not being able to predict energy costs in the future, is a, a liability. And um, I think those can help also industry and business groups uh, to be convinced that those measures aren't against them, but can benefit them as well. All right. And can you please give examples of specific actions that can be taken at the local, national or uh, EU level to support competitiveness and innovation? And what impact can such action have? One could think of ways to support competitiveness, in particular 
for the uh, industries that are vulnerable to energy price fluctuations and also to the ETS prices. So more like the energy and carbon intensive industries. And to support competitiveness, these industries have to become resilient. And a way to do this is, of course, to adopt the best available technologies to the extent that these are accessible and affordable to the industries. This changes, of course, the production process from OPEX, uh, you know, high, high OPEX, low CAPEX, to more like high CAPEX, low OPEX, in the sense that a firm has to invest in advance in order to become more resilient, but uh, in the longer term, and especially with the expected climate and energy policies, at least on the EU, but also on the global level, I think that firms that have actually invested in energy efficiency measures will see that they are more resilient and that their uh, OPEX will reduce significantly in the future. I think talking about innovation, although we haven't included it in the tool now, we have discussed wave and, and possible causalities. And one thing we were talking about was the effect of having a leading market. So if a country really commits to energy efficiency and has clear targets, the industry knows what's ahead and will try to be innovative in order to play a major role on those markets. So one could think that this can improve. And what we see for a lot of uh, installations, for instance, is that they're produced for a good share uh, locally in national economies. So that could have been a driver for innovation. Now, uh, we couldn't prove it uh, properly and robustly enough to, to include it across Europe. But that was one effect that we saw could be a, a way to, to link energy efficiency to innovation impact because it's just this effect of having a, a security to know there's going to be a need in the future and it's worth investing in R&D uh, facilities and just efforts in general. Thank you very much for all your wonderful insights. From what we spoke today, I think the, the first thing I gathered was for sure the, the potential. So the potential the tool has to improve the utilization of indicators, uh, but also assess uh, which indicators are better suited for analyzing one policy measure or another one. Also, was we spoke about what are the drivers affecting the indicators. And uh, as you mentioned, it was also a good tool for the labor potential. So an intensity understanding which measure could bring more employment. So, of course, before uh, implementing it. And finally, the indicators can help us in showing the impact of measures and improving the debate. Uh, with the different parties uh, when it comes to implementing new policies. So that was it for today. Thanks for tuning in and helping us build a community of listeners that are as passionate about energy efficiency as we are. To engage with us and share your opinion after each episode, follow the MECAT project and continue discussions on Twitter at MECAT underscore EU or on LinkedIn at MECAT, multiple impact calculation tool. In our next episode, we'll continue to discuss how to increase the relevance and adoption of multiple impacts of energy efficiency. Follow Mika to be informed when the new podcast will be out. And until next time, where we will discuss how multiple benefits for energy efficiency affects you.